near-death experiences, I learned that people who have those immediately feel a need to rearrange priorities. Now, I got to ask you, why? Why does it take a near-death experience to shake us up? I mean, if it's so important, shouldn't we be doing that every day? Shouldn't we evaluate our every day, our every week? I really believe that sometimes it takes those moments for God to show us how fragile our life is. I mean, it's in Psalms 144.4 that says, Man is but a breath of air. A passing shadow. Anytime. I told the students right here on that Thursday night when I spoke to them. I felt the power of God just come on me and say, you got to say it. And I hate being a Debbie Downer, but I said, oh, not Debbie Downer. Oh, sorry, Debbie. You're not a Debbie Downer. Anyway, I told him, I said, what are you doing? You're living life as if you're owed tomorrow. You are not owed tomorrow. As a matter of fact, you're not even owed the next minute. God holds it all. So for us to presume that we have more time, it's prideful. As a matter of fact, you're pretending to be your own God when you do that. We are but a breath of air. So, but I believe God puts those moments in our life, whether they're, uh, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm sure a loving father as he is, I mean, I could just imagine, I'm a mother. I would rather, like I tell the boys if they get out of line, to just come up to you and say, you know, you shouldn't do that anymore. And they go, oh, okay, I won't do that anymore. But if it, they don't listen to the gentle voice, then the voice has got to get a little louder. And then if they don't listen to the louder voice, then comes punishments. Because I'm going to make a way for him to remember what he's doing is wrong. So why is God any different? Why do we expect him to be any different? He don't want anyone to die and go to hell. Hell was not created for us. But we choose to go there when we don't listen to God. He says, can you just listen to my gentle voice? That's where I like to reside. But if you're not going to listen to my gentle voice, okay, I'll step it up a notch. Okay, let's just kind of stir up your circumstances a little bit, make you uncomfortable. Are you going to listen to me now? How much more does God have to do before you listen? So if rearranging priorities are so important, don't you think we need To do that now, every day, every week. I mean, I try to faithfully, when I set up in bed in the morning, is God, arrange my day today. God, I want you to arrange my day today. If I've put things on my schedule that 
you don't want me to do, wipe them off. Rearrange, arrange my schedule today. I believe we are continually, though, caught up in this hamster wheel of life. I use this illustration a lot because, I mean, or I could say rat race, you know, really. But I don't know why I always see life going by so fast as that little hamster on that wheel that's just running and going nowhere. Can you just see them in your mind? I mean, the pet stores, I had to laugh at them. I walk around like this is a joke. Who did this? Actually, it's cruel. Who did this to that little guy? Put the, who put that wheel in there? It's torment. He's like, I'm going nowhere. That's just torment. That's got to be animal, animal cruelty, don't you think? But I really believe that's like life. Don't you ever sit down on Monday? And then all of a sudden you sit down on the couch. I've done this before and looked at Brian and I said, wasn't it just Monday yesterday? What happened to the week? It's just going by so fast. It's because that hamster wheel is just spinning, spinning, spinning. We're running, running, running. We forget that there's a reason we're placed in the aquarium to begin with. As a matter of fact, we get running on that hamster wheel so long, we forget that there was a being that put us in there to begin with. There's a reason for us in this world. There is a purpose for you here. And it's not on the hamster wheel. As a matter of fact, we get so distracted over circumstances and stuff. Can I have your little illustration you brought? Can you open that up? We get so distracted in this world, this hamster wheel, it's almost like living life looking through binoculars. I mean, if I tried to go through a crowd looking, whoops, see, see, I'm already doing it, looking through binoculars, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, I'm going to run into things. I'm going to miss things. I mean, really, how much can you see when you're looking through? But this is us. You're like, ooh, money. Ooh, things. Ooh, shopping. <laughs> coffee, 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 coffee. Career, 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 career. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, I have to, I have to, I have to. All the time, God's standing over here. Woohoo! Hey, hey, look at this person over here. And we're, oh, yeah, look at this, look at this, look at this. I believe there's the flip side of the coin, too. I think some people can, their purpose can be their paradigm, their, their focus, their binoculars, so much that it consumes them and they miss it. They're like, God, I'm looking for your will. I'm looking for your purpose. What am I supposed to do as they're walking by everybody, walking by everything? There's so much ministry around. God's saying, woohoo, this one over here needs you. And we're like, God, I just want to find my place. Where's my place, God? And he's like, hey, right here. Can you see her? Can you touch her? Today I pray 
that you get a paradigm shift. And I remember the first time I heard that word, I'm like, what's a paradigm? A very wise man explained it to me this way. It's like looking through a pair of dimes. It's tunnel vision that that's all we see. And what, do you, what are you trying to look for? What's your purpose? What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? You know, if you just take away those binoculars and open up, get off the stupid little hamster wheel. Run, 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 run. And look around. Oh, there's other hamsters in my aquarium. Oh, there's food and water. There's somebody out there pressing their face against this glass, interested in me, believing in me, and wanting me to do what I was created to do. Stop waiting for that big moment, that big something to come, that grand scene to play out, all the planets to align before you start living the purpose you were created for. Here it is, Colossians 3, because you already turned there, right? Didn't think, you thought I forgot about that. Colossians 3, starting at verse 1, let me read it to you first out of the New Living Translation. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me read those first two verses to you out of the message. The message says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around you. Christ is going on around you. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Don't just wear binoculars. Don't just wear God's binoculars because God's got big eyes. See from his perspective. Open up your eyes and see what's around you. Live life like you were created to live. Think about it, it says. So what's your purpose? Robert Morris says, purpose is not your position. Purpose is not your provider. Purpose provides meaning. And don't we all want to know and feel and live a meaningful life? I mean, when you sit down on your couch on Monday and you look at your spouse and say, boy, it feels like it was money, but 
Remember on Wednesday how we were able to? That's meaning. That makes those days, those weeks that go by so fast that the little wheels start spinning again make sense. It's called meaning. We are all busy people. But being busy doesn't provide meaning. Going to work to earn a paycheck does not provide meaning. That is not the purpose you were created for. That's a hamster wheel. It's just there to provide you some exercise. Get off it now and then and do what you were meant to do. That brings meaning to that Hamster wheel. Everyone is searching for meaning, but few realize how to achieve it. Knowing your purpose is the only way to finding meaning in your life. Finding meaning in your career. That's what it means. Finding meaning in cleaning your house. I need that. Finding meaning in working in the nursery. Finding meaning in cleaning the church on a Saturday. When you know what your purpose is, when you begin to live your purpose, it provides meaning in everything you do. Why do you go to work and earn a paycheck to pay the bills? That's not meaning. That's a hamster wheel. Provide for my family so I have an opportunity to raise godly children in my house. So I'll have an abundance so I can return back to God the first fruits of everything he's blessed me with. So that I can provide a meal for the neighbor down the street that I heard is sick now and laid up in bed. I go to work every day because there's a reason why. Not just to earn a paycheck. That's not the meaning. Purpose provides meaning. When you finally grasp your purpose, you will find meaning to everything you do. Everything you do. So what's your purpose? Let's take just a few minutes and look at the wisdom of Solomon for this answer. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, and let me just tell you, I still shake my head at times when I read the book because to me at times it sounds like one very madman ranting over one very crazy world. But the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. So when you begin to study his life, even study Ecclesiastes, and that's like his memoirs of, you know, his research of life. When we look at him, you know, God... Actually, ask him, what do you want? Ask for anything. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Because at that time, he was seeking God with everything. And he said, I just want to be able to serve you better, lead your people better. And, he, and God, was, God was overjoyed. I, I, there's no other word here. It was pleased to give Solomon power, favor, wealth. Unfortunately, when you study his life and the readings in Ecclesiastes, you'll see. And here's what happens to most of us. Instead of honoring God with the things that God gave him, he began to try to find meaning through those things. 
in those things instead of in God. So if you look at that, it says Solomon spared no expense and held nothing back in sampling all life had to offer. Then in his memoirs, in the beginning of Ecclesiastes, he begins with describing life under the sun, and he called it meaningless. Meaningless. It's all utterly meaningless. What? But we want meaning. We, we want to know life has a meaning, that my life has a meaning. Why would he say that? If he's the wisest man, why would he say something like that? Well, again, you have to study the whole book and see how it plays out because what we learned and what Solomon learned and he taught us through this book is by the end of his life, Solomon came to the conclusion that life apart from God's purpose for us is meaningless. If you are not living God's purpose for your life, it's meaningless. You can have all the wealth. Like he said, I sampled everything. I tried it all. People said, oh, it's in drinking. Drinking is where you're going to be happy. Drinking is where you're just going to love life. And he tried it. Nope, that's not it. Oh, getting the right woman. Hey, whoa, man. Getting the right woman. That's it. You got to have, and he tried it all. And he said, nope, that's not it. Oh, it's in wealth. He was the wealthiest man to ever live. And he said, that's not it. He sampled everything life had to offer. And at the end, he said, listen, hey, did it, done it, been there, bought the T-shirt. It's meaningless. Don't bother. You've been to Cedar Point or any kind of ride. I love roller coaster rides. Love them. But I'll tell you, I have to study that roller coaster and it better be amazing for me to wait two hours in line, right? This is what I do if I'm walking up. Hey, was that good? Was that, was, was that ride good? Was that right? I'm walking up to the line, but I'm looking at people. That, that, was that good? And if they're going, yeah, let's do it again, I'm thinking they're going to wait in line again for another two hours. I'm there. But if they start coming up, hey, let's go find another ride. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. When someone yells out, meaningless, meaningless, anything you try in life apart from God's purpose in life is meaningless, listen, why stand in line? Why run on the hamster wheel? I have no problem. I have no problem looking at somebody who's tried it all and said, you know what? Shouldn't do that. Or someone running out of a burning house. It's hot in there. Don't go in there. Well, let me see. <laughs> I don't believe you. So Solomon, the wisest man alive, could you take that down? Has that been up there the whole time? Sorry, you're all distracted, aren't you? I didn't even know. I guess I should look around. We'll get to that later. Now that you all know it, you can preach it to me. Anyway. said, apart from God's purpose for us, life is meaningless. And he even concludes the end of Ecclesiastes. Now, again, if you read it all and study it all. In chapter 12, verse 13, he says, now all has been heard. Here it is, the wisest man. 
Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is where you'll find your purpose. This is where you'll find meaning in life. Everything else is meaningless. It was only by discovering the purpose that his purpose was in God and not in things. Even in the things God gave him. That it's not in things that Solomon came to find real meaning in life. So here it is. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Well, Solomon just gave us the answer. It's in God. In God. You see, everything has a purpose. If I stand right here, would you stay awake longer? Okay. Everything has a purpose. You were created with a purpose. But unless you put it with God, marry it together, it's still meaningless. It's like this beautiful watch that Miss Linda made me. Miss Linda made me this watch, and I love it because it's beautiful, but I love it because Miss Linda made it for me. But there's a purpose to this watch, right? It's to tell time. But, and I never let her know this ahead of time because it's beautiful and I love it, Linda, and I love that you made it for me. It's too small. I can't even see the numbers. As a matter of fact, I think it's on upside down, isn't it? <laughs> And I love Linda that she made it, but there's a purpose. See, we were born with a purpose, but until we marry it with God, in God, and say, here it is, God, here I am, God, will that super come into this natural and we'll be able to do supernatural exploits? That's where meaning is found. And now I feel, I feel embarrassed that I took it. But I love my watch, Linda. I love that Linda made my watch. And that's why I wear it, because she made it every time I look at it. But really, if it's not put to its purpose in God, your life is going to be meaningless. You can be a beautiful Christian. You can be a beautiful saint. You've served the Lord your whole life. But you're still sitting here and you feel like your life is meaningless. Because your purpose hasn't been married, hasn't been united in God. For then him to then empower you. See, if I could see this, I would know when preaching was supposed to end, but I can't. So we're good to keep going. The answer is not in what you do, but why you do it. And that can only be defined by answering who you are doing it for. The who has to come together with the what. Linda, this watch is going to do great things once I give it back to you 
and say the purpose is for it to tell time to me. So I know what time it is. So I know what time to end this preaching so Jacob can wake up and go about his day. But until I hand this watch back to you and say, now can you put this purpose back where it's supposed to be in God? Will she be able to hand it back to me and say, now let's go do some good things? If it's not for the Lord, if your who is not the Lord, if your who, your who is not the reason you're doing things, whatever it is, going to work, vacuuming the church, handing out a cup of coffee, whatever it is, if God is not the who, then all the what's mean nothing. But when everything you do is attached to the who, then there's meaning. You ever walk by somebody and you notice they walked right by a piece of trash? And you think, why didn't they pick it up? Why do I pick it up? Especially, I'm talking about in church. Because it's God's house. I want to keep it nice. There's a who behind my what. That's why I do it. I don't go around saying, trash, I got it. That's okay. Hey, Steve, I saw you walk by that, but I got it. That's okay. I took care of it. No, I'll quietly pick it up because the who is attached to the what. And now there's meaning even picking up a piece of trash. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for man. All you do, everything you do, washing those dishes, cleaning your house, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Three main distractions I'm wrapping up right now for living your purpose in God. Three distractions. Number one. Cares of this world, real simple. Cares of this world, things. Solomon admitted things became his distraction. He started to try to, he was looking for meaning in the things. Money, career, job. Circumstances. Oswald Chambers says, but the first thing that will hinder is the subtle, irritably, irritability caused by giving too much thought to your circumstances. Jesus said the cares of this world choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And before we even realize what happened, we are caught up in our cares. See, when you throw those binoculars on and start looking at everything, and I'm me, my life, my job, my, 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 that's all that matters. And it will choke the very word of God that's in you and make it unfruitful. Let me ask you, what do you talk about the most? What fills your thoughts? What is your big dream? Are you more concerned about being comfortable in your life that you're ignoring those around you that are dying and going to hell? 
Are you more concerned with, I got to get up, I got to go to work, I got to earn a paycheck, I got to I gotta pay the bills, I got to clean my house, I got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. There's always got to. That you're so consumed about your own cares that you're ignoring the people around you. That's the paradigm. Looking through those pair of dimes. The second distraction, other people. It could be a really nice relationship. Maybe you're sitting here today and it's a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and you think they are the cat's meow. Meow. But if they're not bringing you closer to Christ, it's not a good relationship. As a matter of fact, you should evaluate all your relationships. Because there is no such thing as a neutral relationship. They are either bringing you closer to Christ, encouraging you, or discouraging you. And there are some people that God will say, you know, go sit down, have coffee with so-and-so, and you sit down, and they are just like sucking the life right out of you. And you're just shooting back word after word after word. And then you're like, I need to run now. Get away from them. Right? There are some people. But God says, you know what? Go input into them. Go input into them. Go in. But relationships. I'm talking about the ones that stay beside you. The girlfriends. The guy friends. The girlfriend, boyfriend. Meow. Those relationships. If they're not encouraging you to get closer to Christ, they're pulling you away from Christ. And they could be very good people. And I'm not saying you don't point at them and, a demon, need to break off our relationship. You're a demon. No, just don't spend so much time with them. That's it. And maybe you two are very, 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 very good Christians, but there's something that when you get together, you just always talk about the negative things. Well, that's an unhealthy relationship. So don't spend so much time together. Or start, I don't know, changing the topic, what you talk about. Listen to what you say. Distractions to your purpose. Distractions from making your life full of meaning can be other people. And the third one is pride. I want to do what I want to do. Let me just tell you, there is no such thing as a selfish Christian. If you actually say the words out of your mouth, it just doesn't make sense. It's like an oxymoron, right? Is that what it's? I felt like I just called somebody moron. No, oxymoron. It's complete opposite. A selfish Christian just does not go together. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I command. So if you don't do what he commands, how can you say you love him? Jesus said, let your speech be edifying, uplifting, building. Let your relationships be healthy, not unequally yoked. Draw into me. I'll draw into you. If you love me, you're going to do what I say. Anyway, so here it is. If you're ready to start living your life on purpose, in God, living a life full of meaning, Two simple things we're going to close with. Number one, rearrange your priorities. We talked about that at the beginning. 
Learn your lesson from other people's near-death experiences so you don't have to have one. Learn from their shout-outs and, you know, discipline action and from daddy and learn from them. Rearrange your priorities. How many minutes are there in a day? Does anybody know that? Dad, here's another number for you to remember. 1,440 minutes in a day. Let me ask you, how many of those minutes do you use in your day to fulfill your purpose in God? Now you can put the slide back up. <laughs> William Penn said, time is what we want the most, but what we use the worst. So if you look at this, the 24-hour day of an average American sleeping, I would love to have eight hours of sleep, 8.8, almost nine hours of sleep. Amen to that. Average people. We're above average. Yay! Leisure and sports, five hours. And all the men said, woohoo! Okay, working and work-related activities. Can you? That doesn't make sense to me, but it's there. Household activities, way down on my list. Eating and drinking, I like that. Personal care, well, that's good. Purchasing, education, caring for helping household members. Unable to classify activities, 0.26. Okay, keep going with me. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Caring for and helping non-household members, 0.19. Well, that's nice. Telephone calls, mail, email, 0.16. I this must be above 40 people, yeah. And here it is, the last one on the list. I'm serious. It was the last one on the list. That's it. I, didn't, I did not change this. Religious and spiritual activities, 0.15 minutes in a day is spent. This is the average Christian. I mean, sorry, the average American. 0.15. As a matter of fact, let's go back up there. About twice as much time is spent on things we don't even know what we were doing. We can't even clarify them. What? Huh? What'd you do? I don't know. You spend more time in, I don't know, than you do in spiritual and religious activities. 1,440 minutes in a day, and I, I'm sorry, I, I don't even know if that's a percentage. Maybe a point zero zero one five would be the percentage of that, right? Of course. It would be like, I don't even know, half a percent of your day is spent. Henry David Thoreau said the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. The price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. If it's important to you, you make time for it. Right? If it's important to you for your life to have meaning, for your purpose to be found in God, you have to spend time at it. You have to rearrange your priorities. You have to move it from the last thing on your list to, I don't know, I, leisure and sports even. That, that puzzles me. That we will give more time to leisure and sports. Now, I'm not asking anybody to give up sleep. Okay, Pastor Brenda, I listened to your message. I'm giving up sleep, putting God first. He's first fruits, nine hours right off the top. 
Well, he can use that time. Matter of fact, when you, when you pray at night, which you should, God, use my time as I sleep to dream dreams, to have visions, to encourage me, to edify my flesh that I won't fall asleep in service when Pastor Brenda's preaching. And number two, be all here. Now, my here's here. Your here's there. Your here's there. Your here's there. In order to have purpose in God, meaning to your life, be all here. It, you're not going to get there looking, looking there all the time. Here. Remember the scripture we read earlier? He said, stop. Your eyes are to the ground just looking around you. Be here. Oh, well, hello. Well, hello. When Jesus had a mission, and can't we just all agree he had the greatest mission? He had the greatest purpose, okay? None in here are greater than that. You have great purposes that God's designed you for, but none greater than what Jesus did for us. But on the way to fulfilling his purpose, when he went by the pool of Bethsaida, or what, however you pronounce that, the Bible says he noticed a man who had been there almost 40 years. He noticed. Now, out of everyone you could think of, yourself included, Jesus is the one person you'd be like, come on, we ain't got time for this. Come on, you got a job. Come on, come on, come on. Don't slow down. Come on, let's go. Right? We're going to get you to your purpose. Could you just see his hitmen in Christ? Just his secret service around. Come on, come on. And the Bible says Jesus noticed the man. And walked over to him. Your purpose in God is seeing life around you through God's eyes. That's when the purpose you were created for marries with the who you were created for. And now the super touches the natural. And supernatural things are going to happen when you start being all here. Not there. Stop looking for the then. Stop waiting for, well, I will when. Right? I hear people say that all the time. Well, Brenda, I, I'll do that when, or I, I'll start, you know, I'll get involved when I, I mean, the number one excuse I get when, you know, I'm ministering to, you know, kids on the street, kids, I'm sorry, young people on the street is, yeah, I'm having fun right now, though. I'll come to God once, you know, I'm done partying and I clean up my life. That doesn't make sense. That's like taking a shower to go take a shower. And as a matter of fact, the shower you're taking is in the mud pit. You can't even get clean. It doesn't make sense. But when you're all here, you can see people around you and take notice. And then your purpose matches his purpose, and it becomes meaningful. Be all here. Completing your purpose in God, with God, as God would. Let me close with just asking you why. What's your why? Tomorrow's Labor Day. Did you know that Labor Day was actually created as a celebration for those of us who labor? For the working man. And whoa, man. 
it was created as a celebration time to rest and say all the things we've done that we've invested in, that we've labored for to build a great nation. They created a day for us to celebrate that. Let me ask you, why are you laboring? Better yet, who are you laboring for? So you close your eyes and just sit there and ponder the question. Let me ask you again. Have you been struggling with finding meaning in your life? Are you jumping from one thing to another, hoping to find your purpose? Are you caught in one of those distractions I mentioned? Have you allowed something or someone to keep you from living your purpose in God? Everybody's heads bowed, no one looking around. If that's you, if you can answer yes to either one of them, would you just slip up your hand? Because I want to pray for you. I want to know. Yeah, I see your hands. Yeah. Yeah. You can put your hands down. Yeah, I see your hands. There is a reason you were created. There's a purpose that you are called to fulfill. But you can't fulfill that purpose on your own. You have to hand it back to God. Say, God, here's my life. Now let me find my purpose in you. Then you'll find meaning in your life. Then whatever you do, it's not what you do, it's who you're doing it for that will bring that meaning that purpose that you're looking for. And before we close, if you're here today and you've never even begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you listened to this whole message and said, you know what, Pastor Brenda, I, I want my purpose hidden with God. I want to find my purpose in God. And you want to begin a new relationship or maybe you want to come back Maybe you severed that relationship somehow, some way, and you want to start again. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you too. I see your hands. I see your hands. It's real simple. A simple, little, honest, open, cry out to God prayer is all it takes. And it can be as easy as, uh, God, here I am. Here I am, God. I know you created me for a purpose. And here I am. Now come into my heart. Come into my life. I accept all the work that was done. You sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. To pay for all my sins. And to make a way for me to have a relationship with you, God. Here I am. Here I am. From this day forward, God, I will serve you and the purpose that you created me for, I will begin to live out with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I give myself to you. If you believe that, if you spoke that, 
in your heart, tell someone today. Don't leave today without telling someone, you know, that was me. That was me. We've got these books here. It's called New Life in Christ. We want to help you with your journey. We were not created to walk life alone. And that's what we'll talk about in a couple weeks on the Life Group launch. You are not created to do life alone. So stand up right where you're at. I want to just close this time out. Amy is playing or is going to just stand here in silence and just pray with us. That if you raised your hand earlier, it's between you and God. It's not between you and anybody that's going to pray for you, lay hands on you, jump up and down, or spit at you. It's between you and God. So spend some time before you leave. Get up here at the altar and do exactly what these new Christians just did. Give yourself. Here it is, God. Here's my purpose. I know I've been saved 20-some years, 30-some years. I feel like I've been trying to do my own purpose or be a beautiful watch on an arm that can't really tell time. But I bring my purpose to you, God, and I want to find my purpose in you and do life the way you want me to do. Come up to the altar and begin to make that commitment right now to God. Today, God. Today, God. Yes. Yes. Today, God. Yes. You talk to God. It's between you and God. True meaning will come to your life when you begin to live your life on purpose in 